You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. We don't lose a match, either we win or we learn. And today we learn. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. And available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. This week, I'm joined by Dan, who runs Prem Worldwide on Instagram. Uh, Dan started the account sometime last August, uh, and it's gone from being just uh, nothing when he started it at a you know scratch, thin air, whatever you want to say. Um, to being over 11,000 followers in just uh, a little under a year and a good source of, of really staying up to date with all kinds of things that are happening around the Premier League. And Dan is a Saints fan. Uh, he lives out of the country, but uh, interesting background, speaks lots of languages. We'll, we'll talk about all of that. Uh, in just a little bit, but um, you can also follow Dan on Twitter. He's at Deadly Genepo, um on Twitter, and so you can find him there. The links to those are in the show notes. But um, we had spoken originally on on Thursday. We we spoke Thursday afternoon uh, after news had broke about uh, Genepo and, and and the fixtures as well, and we put that out as a, a Patreon only episode right then. So. Now, uh, we, we spoke again, uh, this morning or yesterday morning, and, uh, we kind of went over some of the, some of the, uh, the, uh, some similar things, uh, you know, we have a little bit more uh, time to think about them now. So, uh, hopefully it all makes sense. All folds together just fine, but, uh, make sure to follow Dan on Instagram at Prem Worldwide and on Twitter at Deadly Janapo. And the only thing I want to say before we get started with the show is Jay, who runs the Southampton page on Instagram, the official partner page of the show is doing Brave the Shave, which is uh, a way to help the McMillan Cancer Support Center. It's a way to support them and raise funds for them. Uh, and they help people that are living with cancer. And they were a big help to Jay and his family and his grandmother uh, in the time leading up to her passing. So um, if you are interested in supporting that cause and you're able to do that, there's a link in the show notes. And I'm sure Jay would very much appreciate it. Um, and as will the other families that you will help out by doing that. So um, if you have a chance, down in the show notes and uh that would be a, a big help but if not you know of course we all understand and and that's just fine so anyway uh let's get on with the show we have a new signing we have an article uh featuring Hassan Hoodle to discuss we have fixtures uh plenty to go around so uh we'll even throw in some uh you know so, some talk of Liverpool coming down and taking some more players off of our hands and we'll see how we feel about that but anyway hope you enjoy the show um thanks for listening we'll talk to you soon We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Dan. You can find him on Twitter at Deadly Janepo. Janepo, Janepo, uh, we'll figure it out. And uh, also, he's on Instagram at Prem Worldwide, uh, which that account has grown from uh, just nothing as of last August to over 11,500 uh, followers as of right now. But Dan, welcome back to the show and thanks for doing this. Uh, thanks for having me on today. It's actually really nice to be back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, this is, we're trying to push the recording, uh, I would say later and later, just because the transfer news, it kind of sometimes changes from, from time to time. So it's, it's important to kind of get it out. So, uh, we're talking, I think it's already, it's, it's already nighttime where you are. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's morning of, of Monday now for me. And so we'll, this will be out in uh, less than, than, uh, 
I guess it'll be out in 12 hours or so. Uh, so that that's, that's what it is. But uh, anyway, welcome back to the show and thanks for doing this and, and kind of uh, quite a few things to cover uh, since last episode. Now, some of the stuff was found, you can find it in the newsletter. We wrote about the transfers. We wrote about the, uh, the fixtures and things like that, but we'll talk about all of that today as well as, as some of the questions that we got from uh, some of the supporters of the show and some of the followers of the show. So uh, we will get to all of those, but um I say we just start with the fixtures. Uh, actually, before we do that, let's let's talk a little bit about about your show or not your show, but your your page. If if people haven't um, been around for a while, maybe they're new listening and they haven't heard about the page. Like, what would they find when they visited uh, Prem Worldwide on Instagram? Just genuinely transfer news and all, and just updates in general. It's a lot of news, yeah, and sometimes a lot of polls, and it's. It's similar to other pages, but I do things in my own way. So, yeah. Yeah. And in kind of a unique uh, time for you because we you you are not in the UK so that you get uh, you, you, I guess the UK news cycle kind of has a flow of the day, but you have that news at uh, basically a different time than everybody else. So I think maybe that is is, is one thing it's that you, that you have that's different than everybody else. But also like it is a Premier League it, dedicated page so it's not just southampton stuff so you can kind of stay up to date with that and and i've said a thousand times that the transfer window is maybe my least favorite thing but um there are people who enjoy it you're one of those people so i'm I'm glad to be able to talk to you about it because uh following the page allows me to just kind of stay up to date with what's going on around the league at, at a enough detail that i don't have to worry about uh running from this site to that site to all this stuff so i i appreciate the work that you do and and putting all that together Thanks, man. Yeah, it's um, sometimes hard work, but it's glad to see it pays off. Yeah, and as long as you're enjoying it, that's that's really the 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 main thing. So it seems like you, it seems like you do whenever we talk about it. You always seem to be enjoying uh, doing all that. So so uh, yeah. Um, but I guess I, jumping into the fixtures because that was one of the things that came out. Uh, you know, Thursday was a busy day for Southampton fans and the Southampton media team, especially. Um, and I didn't put it on the outline, but did you see the uh, the thing on Twitter where the team uh, put up all the emojis in terms of when they released the fixtures? Did you see that? Uh, no, I actually didn't. Uh, can you send that to me? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have the I have the image here. Are you sending it on WhatsApp, Twitter, or? I just threw it on the outline. Ah, hey, that's interesting. Yeah, so I mean. People were not. If you read the comments on the on the the team's Twitter page, it was not. Uh, people were not thrilled with the idea. They were just like, "Just I don't have time for this." You know, just send me the damn fixtures. And I thought it was this pretty funny. I couldn't figure out all of them. I'm, I'm sure if I would have spent a little more time with it, I could have. But the team was also nice enough to uh, to send out the uh, the actual schedule. So I thought that was that was great. Uh, one comment uh, from Glenn Delacour on the uh, the team's post was a. Uh, he asked them to use a, a wastebasket for uh, for Liverpool from now on, which I thought was fantastic. So uh, <laughs> thanks to Glenn for that. But I mean, you can see there uh, there are all the fixtures. Obviously, we have to play uh, kind of everybody. You can see the the international breaks in there. You can see the Christmas or uh, the, the holiday fixtures in there. Um, so I think it does a pretty good job. But uh, the actual fixtures obviously uh, are out, and and there are a couple of things, and and I wrote about a couple of them in the, in the newsletter last Friday as well. But um, just looking, you know, once again, we have Burnley uh, on opening day. The only difference this year being that it's it's uh, away. So the one thing about about being away to Burnley to open the season is is Freddie from the Ugly Inside always mentions the the weather at Burnley. It's usually freezing. Um, in August, it might not be that bad. So I guess that's that's the one positive of having to uh, to to face Burnley on the opening day of the season once again. Yeah, definitely. And um, well, considering that Burnley are Safe to say, not one of the best sides in the Premier League, obviously. I am, I'm kind of glad that we get off to an easy start before facing Liverpool because it gives us time to see what needs improving in the basic fixtures. Yeah, and, and the difference, uh, again, this year is they won't be involved in the Europa League, so you know perhaps they are not quite as polished. Um, but but it's, not a, it's not an exciting opening fixture. You know, it's, not, it's not one of the newly promoted teams. It's not a big team. It's just, it's just Burnley. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it's not another, uh, you know nil nil draw to open the season but but we'll take oh, it but the the fixtures though aren't necessarily all that kind uh, the, the first two home fixtures obviously are liverpool who uh are you know last year's second place uh in the premier league um intentionally skipping anything they may have actually accomplished um 
uh, Brighton away and then and then Man United at home, which Man United may be going through a transition. There was the the Pogba. Uh, his comments may may seem like he is he's looking to move elsewhere. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, the the home fixtures necessarily are, aren't aren't that great because um, after that. Um, you wind up going away to Sheffield United, then you host Bournemouth, then you go away to Spurs. And um, it, it's going to be a tough run, I think, to, to open the season, but it should give us a pretty good idea of of what Hasenhul has been able to accomplish o- over the summer and through preseason. Yeah, and um, yeah, along with the preseason friendlies, it'll be it'll seem like a good way to figure out how we're doing. Yeah. Uh, any of those, any of those fixtures really, really kind of, I don't know, stand out to you as being especially difficult, maybe besides Liverpool? Um, personally, I think the Man United game will be interesting, not because it'll be difficult, but because we might have a chance of winning. And uh, if Manchester United get their new signings over the, over the line, they might have a very exciting squad. So it'll be a big game and we'll be able to see just where we are in comparison to the top six in that game, if you ask me. All right. Yeah, it, it should be a, a good test. And also, I think... It, and the points that we take from that could be um, it could give us some real momentum going into the season. I mean, last couple of seasons, we've started pretty, pretty poorly. It had, they haven't been exciting starts to the season. No, I don't think even on opening day that people were really looking forward to it. I think people were just kind of putting up with it almost. And and this should be a completely different vibe around the team. And if we can kind of keep that going with, with some of the, uh, I don't know, with, with some points picked up against teams, um, you know, uh, Brighton, not necessarily a rival, but on on the south coast ish, and and that's always a good away day. Um, United at home, that, that that's anytime you can take points from them, that's that's something to be to be said, even if it isn't you know the the United that uh, you know of previous generations. So uh, I think that'll be good. Um, one thing I noticed about the season or about the fixtures is is we alternate home and away, home and away, home and away for I think all the way up until November, right? Is that what we? kind of looked at we were looking at it where we have it seems so yes so i mean that's that's uh, i find that to be interesting i don't think that's necessarily normal but uh uh, maybe maybe we'll get some cup games in there that will uh you know have a give us back-to-back home games so we won't be having to travel um you know all all over the place but we, we will see how that rolls out when they roll out um the, the international breaks are, are always going to be an, an issue to start the season. Um, basically, you play four games, you have a break, you play four games, you have a break, you play four games, you have a break. Um, and then you have that run up to Christmas uh, where you, you don't get a break and uh, it'll it'll kind of be, uh, you know, what it is. But it, it I, overall, I think it's, it's pretty exciting. But um, looking down at the fixtures themselves, do you do you see any? Any any runs or any stretch of matches that are really going to, you, you think, maybe give us trouble? Yeah, definitely. Uh, personally, I think the beginning of the season is rather shabby. We face, obviously, uh, four of the top six in our first eight games. So that's, on average, one in two games where we face a top six. So that's going to be a bit complicated. And it'll really show us where we are and, like, if we're struggling, obviously, because if we play towards the end of last season where we beat Spurs and we gave Man U a good um, good run for their money, right? Then it'll be able to show us um, how we're doing and if we're living up to Ralph's expectations and if we're still the giant killers of last season. And there's also a bit of a hard run in April where we face both Man City, Man United, Everton and Watford, which were all top half of the table size last season. And that leads on to our slightly easier month of May where we face um, Brighton, Bournemouth and Sheffield, which will possibly be one of our easiest runs of the season. But yeah, April also looks to be a hard run and it's not, I wouldn't exactly call it unfair, but it's one to watch out for, for sure. Yeah. And, and by that point, it'll be interesting to see, you know, which of those teams are involved in other competitions still, whether we are or they are, um, that could, that could you know, change the selection depending on, on how they are uh, kind of gearing up for end of the season type uh, type runs, so we'll, we'll see. Um, you assume Man City will be in the running. Uh, you know, they'll they'll probably be involved in the FA Cup at that point, hopefully, uh, or not. Hopefully, I don't actually hope they are, but you, you just assume they are. They could have Champions League uh, fixtures to worry about, so we'll see how that goes. Um, the, as you mentioned, the end of the season, uh, Sheffield United at home, uh, so newly promoted team at home on the last day of the season. Um, we haven't played very well the last day of the season, the last couple of years. I guess you could say the city game we played all right and only lost it at the very end. But 
um, you know, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to, to see that again, but I want to say this is the, I think the third year in a row we've had a home game to end the season. So that, that hopefully we'll, we'll walk out winners this time. Uh, and that should be, that should be good. But, um, yeah, you look at some of the, the, I guess you just look at some of the fixtures and, and, you know, you go going away to some of the newly promoted sides going away to Villa. That should be an interesting start to the, really the, the holiday fixture list. Um, then having to come, uh, and then immediately go away to Chelsea, come home for palace. So that, that should be, uh, uh, interesting. So, uh, we'll see kind of how all of that goes. Um, I don't know anything, anything else that stands out to you there or you, you think we can, we can move on. I think the February, March, uh, fixtures are actually pretty kind to us as well. After facing Liverpool on the first of, um, on the first of February at Anfield, we go on a run of not facing the top six for another five games until facing Arsenal at the end of March before an international break. So we face Burnley, Villa, West Ham, Newcastle, and Norwich. And that's two promoted sides in five games. If you ask me, that's actually very promising. And we'll have a lot of potential to make up ground in the league during that period. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, no, that, that totally makes sense. And it's, I don't know, you look at a lot of those are home home matches as well. Um, so you look at hosting those guys, you hope that you can you can take points from them. The only thing will be, you know, if they come and sit deep, can we break them down? But that'll all be, you know, we'll have to see how the season is playing out at that point and what, uh, what, what players we have on, on the pitch at that point. Cause uh, it looks like there, there could be some moving and, and obviously that's, that involves the, the newest signing of uh, Janapo. Is that, is that how we're saying it or how, how, how would you say we say it? I believe so. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, so, in addition, the, probably the bigger announcement um, that happened on on th- last Thursday was was the announcement of Musa Janevo um, coming over from Standard Liège. Uh, the the cartoon, the video that was put out by the club, once again, great. Um, and I don't know, it's it's kind of a it's exciting, um, but at the same time, you know, I'm I'm afraid to put too much expectation on him. He is only 20 years old. He is you know, really only played a season and a half, maybe two seasons in, in, um, you know, I don't want to say a top flight league, but, uh, you know, a, a league of, of some repute. And now he's going to make that jump from, from Belgium all the way to, uh, Southampton. And, and I don't want to put all the pressure in the world on him, uh, at such a young age, but I can't, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't uh, truly excited about him showing up and, and maybe what he's going to bring to the team. Yeah, I think he's, um, he, like it was announced on the Southampton Twitter page, right? If it, the official page, he had a quote where he talked about his qualities and how he was excited about joining the team. He said his qualities was getting at players, dribbling past them and running a lot, right? And just driving forward the attack. So I'm really excited for that because it looks like we have a real talent on our hands. And considering he's only just turned 21, I think he turned 21 last week. And oh, yeah, he just had his 21st birthday. That's right. Yeah, he just turned 21. Signed as a as just a 20-year-old, obviously, you mentioned he just turned 21. Um you know, 14 million pounds on a four-year deal, according to the Daily Echo, uh, that that's some price to pay considering that Stanley Liège got him for just, I think it was 45,000 pounds um, just two years ago from uh, the, the team in Mali where he came from. Uh, he went on loan from Mali uh, to Stanley Liège. They thought this is good enough. We'll, we will we will take him. Um, exciting. He's played, you know, plenty in, in the Europa League and, and things like that. But um, I, I don't know. Our, just thinking about how he's going to uh, fit into the team with with the speed, I think that's that's really the thing that that we can be excited about, and, and maybe the the dribbling. And, and I don't know if you've watched any of the the highlight videos online; those are always a little bit dicey. But um, you know, I, what have you what have you seen from him running at players also? But uh, any anything else that you think he's he's going to bring to the team, or is it is it just the pace and opening up space for Redmond, or, or what do you what do you think he's actually going to uh, be able to do? Um, personally, I think with the new 4-2-2 system, which Ralph seems to prefer, right, that um, he's probably going to fit in as one of the two players behind the strikers, preferably wingers, right? Or as you would consider um, sided attacking midfielders. So like in a 4-2-2 system, at 4-2-2-2 system, there would be two defensive midfielders, two attacking midfielders or wingers, along with two strikers. So it's a more centralized 4-4-2 where the wingers in the 4-4-2 would move a bit more centrally to concentrate the attack down the middle. I think uh, Musa Janepo will work well down the middle because he's really good at driving forward the ball. 
he'll move to get the attacks forward quickly. I think he's going to aid in our counter-attacking and just to uh, make the attack more fluent and less stagnant as it was previously under Hughes and Pellegrino and possibly you could say Puel as well. So he, um, like, I don't know about your opinion on him, but he, he looks like he could really bolster the attack, even though he may not be a starter immediately. Yeah, I, I think I think the pace is, is is a big deal. I don't think we have enough of that in the attack. And, um, you know, I think we've missed on a couple of wingers in the, in the past few transfer windows. You think of, of, of Buffal and how he's fit in and fallen out with the team and, and the manager. Uh, you think of Elianusi, how we just didn't quite have an impact. Uh, you think of Armstrong, who I think played more centrally at Celtic, didn't really find a place necessarily in the team week in, week out um, at, at Southampton. So you wonder kind of what his role will be. Um, and then and then you look at, at, at Nathan Redmond, who really has, was the standout attacker last year. And I, I think part of this would be uh, Janepo is probably going to play on the left um, and just behind the strikers in, in the system. And I think what we'll see in, in what Luke Osman pointed out in his article, his kind of in-depth write-up that he did last week, was that likely that Nathan Redmond will become one of the strikers or play maybe just behind the striker or as a second striker, um, which you know raises questions for me in terms of who plays alongside him. Is it going to be Che Adams? Is it going to, if we get him in? Is it going to be Danny Ings? Um, and and how that all kind of works. And uh, I think I think Genevo on the left will will kind of free Redmond up to maybe uh, drift a little bit and and find himself in in more space to be able to turn and run at players and also have. Um, maybe a balance to that attack. And so it's not just Nathan Redmond running at people. We have a, a, another sort of attack, but um, I don't know. I, th- I think that's how it's going to work. I was initially a little bit, um, I don't know. I guess I, I worried a little bit about how that was going to, it's going to work with Redmond because Redmond seemed to operate best off of the left. But uh, there were several instances last year where he seemed to shift across the front uh, and, and also play as a second striker, which I think he is uh, kind of, growing more accustomed to i think he'll become more and more um you know raheem sterling-esque where he can kind of shift anywhere across the front he can play as a striker he can play as a winger and i think the janapa will kind of operate i guess on the left and i think that'll be good i think that 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 gives us some some flexibility in terms of attack uh and as you said the uh the pace on the counterattack is going to be huge and and one of the things that um you know i think was pointed out was there was uh, the dribbling, uh, the ball seems to be glued to his feet at times, which is something that I think that we lack a little bit. So I think that'll be, that'll be really, really good. Um, the one thing I, I just wanted to point out again was, are you worried at all about the amount of money that, that he has cost us given that he has, you know, he was just 45,000 pounds just, just two years ago. And now all of a sudden he's, he's 14 million. Do you, do you see that as, as Southampton, you know, maybe being too late or is it as a, a, an example of other teams taking advantage of the fact that we're a premier league team and that's just what the fee is going to be? Or what do you, what do you make of that? I mean, there's not exactly going to be much money we can spend on other players if we all spend it on expensive players. Right. So I think the board's just going for young talent and nowadays young talent does cost a bit more. And seeing as we are premier league teams at all, it already raises the price for a player as long as you want to buy it because they obviously know you'll pay more money for the player because you have more money. So honestly, I think that the player was a good spend. I think it was a good 14 million pounds spent considering we were originally rumored to be buying him for 22 million. And I think that as long as we spend money a bit more frugally and we, uh, sorry, and we sell the players that are necessary to sell like the Deadwood, like Fraser Forster, who's on a hundred K a week wage, if we sell Austin, if we sell Gallagher, if we sell Klazi, then we might free up some funds for a couple more moves. But as you said, it could possibly be that we were too late. But the scouting team is good. They've obviously noted Moussa Janepo at Liège when nobody else has because otherwise there would have been more teams after him and the price would have been even higher. So I think this is a good move by the scouting team and that we can look forward to more good moves in the future. All right. I I, I... I like the idea of us buying young and it's one of the things that Ralph pointed out. Um, we'll get to the article that he, uh, or the interview he gave to sport build, uh, just a little bit, but it's, it's one of these, these guys, he fits the profile, you know, he's young, he has raw talent. 
Um, he has some some physical attributes that that including pace that are are that we can work with. Um, but he still needs some development. He's still going to be a little bit raw. He's still going to have to learn. But those are the players that Ralph wants to work with, and I think that what it's it's what fans are are, are willing to. I, I think we'd rather see that. Uh, we we've seen how buying players that are slightly older. Um, has worked out for us and they're already kind of set in their ways. They're not maybe going to do the running that Ralph wants. They're not maybe going to be they're They're less, maybe, maybe less likely to, uh, to, to change the way they do things. Whereas as younger players who haven't played in a, a kind of a big league or a big system before um, mean that maybe they come in and they say like, you know, thanks for, this is, this is a huge opportunity for, for me to, to develop and to, to work and to, you know, maybe get a move eventually to later on. And, and so if they're willing to, to put in the work that way, then I think, I think everybody wins in that case. And, and we eventually, I, I imagine Janapo, if he's, if he works out the way we think he will, he'll, he'll move on to, to a different team somewhere else at some point, And we will m- turn a profit on him. Uh, whereas, you know, we, we've signed some other players recently where uh, we just haven't been able to do that. They haven't kicked on. They, and then you're stuck kind of with these, these contracts that are uh, lengthy uh, and expensive and uh, you wind up just having to send guys out on loan in, in hopes that uh, they'll do well enough to, to earn a move somewhere else. But um, hopefully uh, this is getting back to kind of what Southampton was good at, which is identifying talent in other leagues um, that uh, people, people, other people didn't pick up on. So even though he is expensive and even though it maybe uh, it does worry me a little bit, just the jump in price, I, I think that's, that's a product of, of, when we show up to to look at a player, then other teams go like, you know what, if they're looking at it, then it must be, um, it, we can probably raise the price a little bit because they are looking to identify this talent early. Uh, and, and if we can get uh, a fairly hefty price for them, they're probably going to sell them on at some point. So it, it just kind of, it kind of all works out. Um, so he was called up to the, the men's national team. Now he's been involved with that for, for some time, but, and part of the, part of the reason that the team had to delay the uh, the announcement of of Janepo was a, a work permit issue, and uh, it resulted of, of him not having enough kind of senior caps for the men's national team. But uh, he's going to be involved in the African Cup of Nations. Uh, really, uh, Algeria they lost to Algeria um, at time of recording yesterday, so Sunday. Um, they they drew with Cameroon on Friday last Friday, but um, they will pick up uh, the group stages. Um, on Monday the 24th, Friday the 28th, and then um, again on July 2nd. So they will play Mauritania, Tunisia, um, and Angola. Uh, and so we will see kind of how they how they how they go out there. And uh, it's good that he's involved. Hopefully he can get on the score sheet and maybe get his preseason going a little bit early. Because you imagine after that he'll be showing up to to preseason kind of just ready to go, I guess, or maybe he has to take a break. I'm not sure how that'll, how that'll work out, but hopefully he gets into the team soon and, and is ready to go. So, um, I don't know anything else on him, anything else that really stands out to you that, that you, uh, really excites you about him, I guess. Well, as I said previously, his attacking potential will help us translate to more counterattacks. Right. And considering that Ralph Hasner likes to use, the fast attack and the clever attack in order to trick defenders and just to not be lethargic when running forward. I think Musa Janepo's fitness and his, um, his pace and his dribbling will obviously um, cause problems for defenders. But other than that, I just see him as a convenient, pacey winger who's got a lot of potential and not much else, to be honest. Hopefully, as time goes by, we'll get, more, we'll get to see more of him and if he has anything else to offer. All right, all right. Well, the team has been linked with a number of other kind of moves. Uh, you know, Che Adams, that, that rumor's been there for some time. Uh, there's, there's some l- linking to uh, a Celtic man uh, who also has the, the same agent, I guess, or is represented by the same people as Stuart Armstrong. So maybe that's another, uh, maybe that's another target. But, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, those are, those are, are rumors. And, and I would rather talk about um, the potential, uh, rumor that that has come out, which is uh, Alex McCarthy to Liverpool as their backup goalkeeper. I don't know if you've come across this uh, over the last couple of days, but um, I'm having a hard time believing it. But uh, you know, I guess we could get lucky in 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 this case, and and just to kind of look at look at it as a whole, um, we actually I think maybe need to get either McCarthy or Forster off the books in terms of. 
uh, it just in terms of we have we have three England goalkeepers on our team. Um, Gunn is probably going to get the start unless Forrester has a really good um, preseason. And, and Ralph mentioned last year that that Forrester looks the best out of all three goalkeepers uh, in training. Um, but Gunn is the guy that was getting the starts and and it was performing, I, I guess, reasonably well. And he's he's obviously playing for um, the England youth team now, so he's yeah. He's still... Especially Sean, how when Forrester actually got the bloody opportunity, he um. Against West Ham, he it's safe to say he blew that opportunity pretty hard. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but at that point, we weren't keeping clean sheets any, either, anyway, right? Like, we we were struggling to keep clean sheets, but he definitely uh, could have done better on a couple of those uh, those, those goals. And, um, yeah, Ralph, Ralph mentioned in training he does it, but I think there's still issues with Forrester's confidence. And uh, because of that, I'm not sure we're going to be able to get rid of him based on the contract that he's on. And he's got little incentive to to really move why would you give up all that money um, and in a place where you're, you are comfortable and uh, even if you feel like you're getting better to go and, and, you know, potentially have a really bad time uh, elsewhere. So, um, but I mean, given that, and would you, would you agree to a McCarthy move if you had some say in, in this or, or would you say no because it's Liverpool or just no overall because you want him to stay? Well, it would depend on the price really. We see, but I honestly, I don't really believe this rumor, seeing as they've already got Mignolet, Karius, and Allison, because Karius is only on loan. So don't forget that their um, their starting goalkeeper for two to three years is on loan away, and that if they need a new goalkeeper, he's ready to come back. So I don't see why Liverpool would want a fourth goalkeeper unless they're selling Mignolet. And in other ways, I think that we shouldn't sell unless the price is slightly higher than usual, because. Don't forget McCarthy's still really good. He's just had a bunch of bad games, and that led to him being dropped against Chelsea by um, uh, and Gunn took his place, right? Right. But that doesn't exactly make him a terrible goalie, which we should get off the books. He, we, we need to get rid of him for at least like nine, ten million pounds. And as long as we sell him and we use the funds to fund Shea Adams' move, that will probably be money well spent because we've already got too many goalkeepers anyway. Once we sell McCarthy, if we do, which I doubt anyway, we can probably move Jack Rose up to the first team, seeing as he's doing really well in the under-23s. Yeah, I mean, in, in the third-string goalkeeper, not getting very many starts, you know, so he could actually probably still play for for the youth team and and be ready to come up if, if necessary, and he could train with the first team from time to time. I think that would all be that would all be just fine. But, um, yeah, I... I have a really hard time believing that that this is where Liverpool are going to look for for a backup goalkeeper. I think it's just a at this point in in the off season, I think it's just a way to get get people to uh, click on the article and uh, give give something uh, for our fans to to yell about because it's once again uh, Liverpool coming in for for one of our players. But um, I think that's one of the things that we're really going to have to consider this season is you know we we're looking hopefully for for you know one or two more signings from from the club but those aren't going to happen without people moving out and it's not if you look at the the amount of of, of uh, the number of players just sheer number of players that we've accumulated over the past couple of seasons um kind of i think as less reads um eye for talent and the scouting department's kind of failures i think um over the past couple of seasons, I think we've just accumulated too many players and, and some of them are going to have to go and not all of them are going to be the guys that have been out on loan that we haven't seen in the first team. I think some of them are going to have to be first team players that we know and like and, and think they, you know, they've, they've done well for the club. And I think that's just, that's just how it's going to be, you know, and, and, and hopefully we don't have another Dusan Tadic type situation where the guy goes off and is, you know, it makes has the absolute like almost the best season of his life in terms of, of goal scoring and goal contributions and things like that. And we have to look back and go like, we just, we missed him or whatever. But um, I think, I think we're going to, we're going to run into an issue. We're going to, we're going to see good players leave. And I think that's going to have to happen if we want to, to bring in some of the players over the next couple of transfer windows that we really, really want. So um, the other thing that that's kind of come up is, is uh, the daily echo reported that uh, both, the club was willing to listen to offers for both Bertrand and Matt target. And I think you and I talked about it when we talked late last week a little bit, but um, I mean, looking at that, which of those two would you prefer to stay at the club 
uh, now if we were if we we're going to take offers for both, you just take whoever offers more or whoever's going to get get more uh, of a profit for you, or do you take? Is, is there one that you would prefer for, uh, you know, in terms maybe long term development or just performance now or leadership or whatever it is? It, it's it's a hard decision to be honest because the, the Chelsea youth system produced Ryan Bertrand. He obviously made his debut in the Champions League final. He's got a lot of history. He's quality. He's going to be thirty by the time the season starts. So he's also going to be a bit old, if we're honest here. And he's not exactly going to improve much, is he? And he's already done a lot of service to the club. So if we can cash in on him now and probably invest in more signings, we could probably save Matt Target and develop him into a starting left back. Or we could use the money to buy a new left back or a right back, possibly. And I think that as long as they're younger and they have more potential than Ryan Bertrand currently has quality... I think it'll be a good good move for the club and for Ryan Bertrand as well. So you can seek new pastures. I mean, he's been at the club since 2015. Um, his contract doesn't expire until 2021. But you imagine at that point, um, you're not signing him into another long-term deal. Uh, you probably aren't getting a whole lot of, of money back for him uh, at that point simply because I think he's he's hit his peak already and is probably on the way down in terms of, of value and things like that just because he's he's going to hit 30 years old and you know maybe he maybe he has a I think I think he could he could start for us all season I think if he stays uh, he could be the the number one but but Matt target at at his age he now needs game time he needs first team football if he's going to make that next step uh, that next development he already has um, there's interest in him from, uh, from Fulham where he's already been. I think Aston Villa are interested in him. I think there, there's concrete interest there. And from his perspective, yeah, and supposedly Liverpool and Arsenal are interested in as well, but that could just be fake news. Who knows? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you look at Arsenal, they, they could use him. Uh, they have, uh, you know, uh, Kalasinac, I think is the, uh, is I don't know what he is. He plays football. Um, he runs really hard. He puts crosses in. Um, he's not a great defender. Um, they've been playing a back three. Uh, a target can play as a wing back. Um, Monreal is not getting any younger, and he tends to move into that left center back spot because they are struggling for center backs. But um, you know, I, I, maybe he could fit there. Sure, uh, Liverpool. I can't see him working in that system. Um, I just don't see him being uh, that good. But I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a, a system where he can go, but I don't see him getting first team football there either. I would have a really hard time imagining Matt Target starting uh, in the Premier League uh, for you know the the reigning European champions. Uh, I would have a or Champions League champions. I'd have a, I have a hard time imagining that. But um, I I think when you just kind of break it down and look at at kind of what. I don't know. I guess, I guess the, the, the profile that, that Ralph is looking for, you know, uh, the age that they're at, the contract they're on, um, the, the long-term kind of ability to develop players and, and what target could, could potentially do. I think, I think target is probably the right choice, but I think you're going to have a lot of people that are upset if target is the, the opening day starter at left back. I think a lot of people are going to say he's not good enough. Yeah. But, um, if we get a backup left back, obviously, with the money we we get from Bertrand, I I don't think that'll be an issue because he won't be starting if we get a if we get a better left back anyway. Yeah, I, but I I would say that I would say that he's going to push. I mean, I think it's right. He's right to push for a move in terms of his career. If he wants to if he wants to actually play, then I think he if if Bertrand's not going to go, then I think he will he will push to move away. And if he stays, and then we bring in somebody else to start, I think he'll he'll be upset and probably push for a move, which I don't. Not going to blame him for. I mean, you know, he's he he's had starting spots on other teams at this point. Um, he played, I think, well enough when we were, um, you know, when when he was in the team. Bertrand missed a a good chunk of the season, came back in and replaced him right away. Um, and and my one thing with uh, with Target is is I think as a wing back he's fine in terms of getting forward and crossing the ball. He can um, he, he's good from a dead ball as well, um, and. I tend to think he doesn't get forward enough and get into the box and provide really a goal scoring threat. Uh, but saying that um, Bertrand only scored once last season, uh, I think and target uh, I, if I remember correctly, was the guy on the end 
of the cross from uh from Jan Valerie against Bournemouth that that secured yeah, our 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 you know our or staved off our relegation fears that really kept us in the Premier League. So um you know I can't I guess I can't can't say that he's he's not going to get forward enough, but we will have to see. And and Ralph's changed a lot about how we play, and I, I have no doubt that he can continue to improve um on target. So if I had if, if you had to pick one, which one do you think will be here? on opening day uh, for, for the team? Honestly, it is so hard to say, Matt. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say target. I think Bertrand will go, and that'll, that'll crush me because I, I like Ryan Bertrand. But I think if, if Ralph has a say in terms of who stays, I think it's going to be target. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. But it's, it's hard to imagine because we've been with Bertrand for what? This is going to be his sixth season, I think. And he's, he's always been a staple of our team when fit. It's going to be hard to imagine a team without him. But as you said, Ralph prefers younger players. He, he doesn't want to sign anyone over 24. So he obviously wants to keep a young squad. And I don't know. It just, I just feel bad saying it, but I think Ryan Birch is going to leave as well. All right. All right. Um, we will see. It'll be, it'll be interesting. And um, you, you mentioned the fact that Ralph doesn't want to sign players under the, or over the age of 24. Um, did you did you get a chance to look at that that article uh, in Sport Build or, or see any of the quotes that came out of it? Um, I actually did, and I, I read it in German myself. Yeah, it was interesting. That's right, because you speak how many languages? I speak seven languages myself. <sighs> well, I speak one and poorly, uh, as people who listen to this podcast will know. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I had to get the translation. So I don't know if I got the the right thing and. Um, it's uh, I don't know. I, so uh, what, what are your initial thoughts on on the article? And, and it was for even in the the train, the Google translation version that I read, I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. But uh, what did you kind of take away from it in terms of uh, uh, what what Sport Bill was able to get out of him? Um, well, obviously, they were able to determine what Ralph himself said that he wants five signings in this summer. Uh, it depends on the people that go out. It depends on whether we sell all the people we want to sell. I think we want to sell Austin for eight million pounds to Villa, and that's looking likely because realistically, if we sign Che Adams and Adams and Redmond start up top with Ings and Long as um, substitute strikers, I really don't see Austin getting any minutes next season. So I think he's going to leave, and that'll probably pave the way for some more players to leave in order to get Ralph to get five players in this summer. I mean, I guess let's let's go to the Austin. Moving on, just just quickly. Um, I mean, does he fit the system at all? And does he does he offer the things that that we need in the in the four two two system? Two two. How many twos are there? Honestly, what I think is it, he's he's not exactly a striker that runs a lot, right? And he's just there to score goals. And I'm afraid that doesn't fit in with what Ralph wants as a vision for the team. And I think he's going to have to leave. And also um, to move on, um, what Ralph said is that he's found a job at Southampton that fills him up, and he's not ready to run away. That that's really interesting, actually, because usually in the past couple of jobs that he's had, he leaves after about two seasons. And he also said in the interview that he doesn't want to coach in Germany again because he thinks that the league is much more entertaining in England. And I think that's actually very, uh, very exciting because we've got a coach who's probably the best one we've had in three, four years and debatably better than Koeman. Some people will argue with my opinion, obviously, but we had a much better squad then. If you ask me if Ralph Hasenhutl was in charge, then we'd have, we'd have been much more consistent and we wouldn't have gone on that terrible run in the beginning of 15-16. But Ralph, he said that he wants to stay. He said that he doesn't want to run away and he said that he likes it in England. And I think that's very, very – it's interesting because it means that if he has a good season next season, he might even sign a contract extension. And I find that very, very interesting indeed. Yeah, I I was I was really encouraged by everything I read in the article and and some of the stuff that you you kind of get from his philosophy and you can pick it up from from different places. But um, well, one of the things that the the the, the, the what you just pointed out that it, the job fills him up that 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 means a lot to me as a as a fan who's watched players and coaches come in and move away relatively quickly. You've seen you know Kuman fall out with the board and and go. Uh, you saw Pochettino who nobody kind of you know, is mad at him for moving on, but, uh, you see that happen. And then we have, we've had a series of kind of short-term managerial appointments who, 
uh, really, when you look at Hughes, he looked at it as a job. It was this was a job and he was here to do a job. And and that just doesn't give a lot of excitement to, to us. But when you see somebody who seems to be as invested in the team and invested in the club and invested in the project as Hasenhul is um, and the job, uh, having getting joy out of your job is something that is like not everybody gets that opportunity. And so to, to have somebody who who finds that joy and, and maybe it only lasts three or four years, but that's three or four years of where, where it's going to be. He's going to put in the extra work. He's already back working now. You know, he's not, he's not laying around. He's not on vacation. He's, he, he is, he is doing the job that he loves, um, you know, bar, you know, being able to play his piano, I guess I had to stay in Germany. Uh, if I, if that was translated correctly. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I was really encouraged by the article and I, I, I would say that it's probably one of the better ones that I've read on him in terms of, of what he was, what he was able to, what they were able to get out of him. Um, but, uh, one thing that, that, that stood out was in Germany, he said, I think he was kind of just a coach, like he was tactics and players and, and, and managing, you know, that relationship between he and the players and the tactics and all of this stuff. Um, but that he's, he's more involved in kind of the everyday decisions that are going on around, around Southampton. And I don't know, does that, does that, does that stand out to you? Cause I would say that, that more and more places are going to the director of football model where the, the manager is now just a coach and you just deal with the players on the pitch. And it seems like maybe Southampton is going the opposite direction almost. I think, you know, as Ralph, he always visits the youth players. He sometimes goes out in the city to see people. He's the person who is probably behind the, the new Saints Fest where they get to connect with the fans. I think he's a really, really good addition to the club. I'm so glad he came because he's really revolutionized the way the club see the fans. He's always mentioning the fans. He's always emphasizing the connection of the football with the fans. He's, he's well, it's safe to say that he, as a de facto director of football, even though it's not exactly stated. He's doing a really good job and I'm really glad at the job he's doing because all the stuff he's done, it's really improved the club and the connection that he has with the people is really improving compared to other clubs. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you can just look at the Maurizio Sarri situation. He's now gone from Chelsea after, you know, getting them into the Champions League, winning the Europa League and not good enough. And now he's at, at Juve, which I think he'll be much happier with. Um, but, uh, you look at some of the relationships that some of the other, uh, coaches or managers have with their owners and their fan bases. And it's not, uh, it's not great. But, um, one thing that, that Hassan did mention is his relationship with Gao. And he talked about loose contact, I think is, is how it translated anyway. Um, that, that there's not much between him and, and Gao in terms of, uh, of discussions or things like that. And, and I don't think it's surprising to anybody, but does that worry you at all that, that, you know, maybe we don't have enough contact there? Well, let's be real. When Gal makes an announcement, it's usually only, it's usually only from China, right? Yeah. He's always like, Oh, and the news <laughs> is like, Gal makes an announcement from Shanghai. Gal talks to Southampton FC fan supporters in Shanghai. Like, come on, let's be real. Nobody gives a bloody toss about what he says in China. He's barely here for games. He's never communicating with the board. He's almost, he recently said he doesn't even want to give money to the club. He, he's not treating it like a pig to be fattened, if you saw that quote. Mm-hmm. It shows that he's just there in it for the publicity. He's, he's not there to connect with Ralph. He's not there to run the club. He's going to pay some people to do it for him just so his name can be there. So in all honesty, that doesn't surprise me that Ralph doesn't have much connection with him. All right, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I, I'm sure that that, connection that that the connection to china is is the reason that we are going on the publicity tour to china this this year but ralph mentioned that uh he was only going to send about five senior players and the rest are going to be youth players uh going over there because the training uh situation is not there i think they'll be there a very short time Uh, i think it's land open training session game the next day um get on the plane fly home because we have actual you know preparation to do and and i think that may be one of those things where that's where the conflict will be is, is the, the PR wing of the club that it's trying to grow in, in China or, uh, and versus the actual development of the team and the ability to compete um, in the premier league. You got to realize that, that going on, going to places like China is not great. Um, and, and just the, from the air quality to the travel time, to the recovery facilities, to all of those things, uh, I think are, are super, super important that, that we have kind of top quality care for the players. Um, because if you show up in the premier league and you're not ready, um, 
that's not great. You, you show up and get beat. You show up and have a nil-nil against Burnley on the opening day when you should be winning that game, you know? And, and even last season, uh, Mark Hughes kind of spoke of the, basically the trip to China set, set them back two or three weeks uh, and they had to come back and, and work on just getting back to basic fitness because the, the trip to China was so bad. And so you don't want that. You don't, you, you can't have that happen uh, when you're on such a kind of a tight timeline in, in terms of, and, and you're expecting the guys to do the work that, that Ralph is going to be expecting them to do. So I think it's going to be super important that, that we get those guys back quickly. Um, and hopefully, you know, it, it, it may not be what Gal wants because if I was expecting the, the Southampton first team to show up and I show up and it's a bunch of kids I've never seen before who don't even have numbers or names in the back of their shirts um, running around with maybe a recognizable figure or two, um, I'd be pretty upset. But uh, I, I'm saying that as a, as a guy who's, going to take his son to go see Arsenal play Bayern Munich. And I'm fully aware that I'm not going to see uh, probably the best uh, of either of those two teams. But, uh, you know, maybe my son will will be okay with that just because it's it's Arsenal and that's his team. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, the club is beginning to turn into a bit of a Man United. It's, they're trying to increase the PR because obviously the club isn't a big club, but the club, like, don't don't hate me for saying that, but we're obviously not as big as a top six club when it comes to fans worldwide. And Gao is obviously trying to improve that, to improve shirt sales, which is why we're going to open a massive mega store, a club mega store in Shanghai. And the PR of the club is going to clash with the footballing vision, obviously, because the money that the PR could bring in could be more because of all the TV revenue that we could be earning, right? However, what Gao seems to not understand is that a football club plays football. A football club requires football players that are fit, football players that play quality football and are prepared. And he thinks that risking that by doing a PR stunt in China where the air quality is not exactly that good is, is a bad idea, let's, let's be honest. And that's why Gal needs to realize that footballing is more important. Yeah, I think what will happen if we if we miss out on Premier League football at any point, then profits are going to go, you know, through the floor. That that's what's going to happen is is the moment you lose that Premier League TV revenue, uh, everything changes, and and no amount of shirt sales in Shanghai is going to 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 bring that back up. So uh, that is going to be a, a point of of contention, I think, over in, in the future, and hopefully it all kind of works out. But um, we'll just kind of have to see. Um, all right. So I think that does it for any, any kind of news topics, um, unless you have something else that you want to bring up. But otherwise, I say we move on. We have a question here um, and people can send in their questions either on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email, uh, drop a comment on the website. There's a, a ton of ways to get involved with, with that. Um, and, and patrons uh, can also get involved with that. And they have a priority for having their questions answered on the show each and every week. It's one of the one of the things you get, one of the perks you get of being a patron, um, including uh, access to a private uh, group chat on Discord and also, um, you know, access to a, a, an extra podcast episode per month uh, for the five dollar per month patrons. But um, Charlie Mercer writes in and says he's, he's at Charlie Mercer, Charlie underscore Mercer underscore on on Twitter. He says, do you think we need to sign two center backs? Personally, I feel this is vital as Stevens and Hoot aren't good enough. Yoshi is getting older. And we lack pace at the back. So uh, we haven't talked necessarily about a center back uh, option the, this this episode necessarily, but it's definitely been uh, one of the places that I would say we need to add. Um, if we add Che Adams, that means we have a winger. We have Che Adams. And I think the the other place that I would say is to go get would be a, a center back. Um, but for you, I mean, two center backs, do you think that's too much to ask? Or or could you see potentially some of these guys, uh, especially Stevens and Hoot, maybe moving out and then us replacing them with two? Or do you think maybe just one would be what we, what we would wind up with? Well, a lot of people like Yannick Vestergaard and a lot of people like Jan Bednarek. And a lot of people like Maya Yoshida as well. But people still aren't happy with the amount of center backs we have. I think what's needed is one proper center back who will guide the rest of the team in order to do a lot of commanding, to do to, to guide the defense on a path. And it's, well, let's be real. Two center backs is a bit excessive, isn't it? Because we've already got Jack Stevens, Wesley Hoot coming back from Celta, Yannick Vestergaard, Jan Bednarek, and Maya Yoshida. That's six already. And if we buy two more, we'll have eight. That's money which could be spent reinforcing the attack or buying a backup fullback. As long as we buy one centre-back in order to command the defence, 
to train them how to be solid, to tell them where to be during games, like Van Dijk and Fontroy to us. I think that's enough. And I think two center backs is a bit excessive, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think that, that that will be one of the ways that we can, or one of the places that we can actually cut down the squad is by only having, you know, maybe Yoshida retreats to some sort of the, the, the backup role and, and we get that sort of leadership in the back line from somebody that we bring in. But uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily see us picking up too. I think that may be uh, a little excessive, um, but I guess it depends on, on what Ralph wants to do. If he's going to, if we're going to have this complete clear out and, and that includes maybe selling Vestergaard, which I don't see happening. Uh, I don't see Yoshida moving. I don't see Bednarak moving. I think bringing in two guys is just, is, is maybe too much. Um, I don't think Hoot has a future at the club. So hopefully that, that, gets taken care of, but, um, you're, maybe it's going to wind up being another loan season for him, but, uh, you know, I, no, I don't see us getting two guys there. I don't, I don't think that's, uh, that that's really there. And, and one thing that I was going to bring up was, um, there's the dog. He's just going to make an appearance on the show. It's fine. Uh, if Yoshida, uh, sorry, not Yoshida, but if Bertrand winds up, you know, staying and, and target stays, maybe we see Bertrand move over to that left center back spot. and maybe provide a little bit more clarity there, a little bit more versatility there and similar to, to what Nacho Monreal has been able to do at Arsenal. But um, that could be a situation where we keep both Bertrand and um, target. And then we, you know, have a little bit more leadership, but also give, give those guys the game time that they need. So uh, I think that would be uh, something that, that we may, you know, we may see, but I don't see us actually going out in the transfer market and picking up two center backs. Um, not that are going to be any better than what we have already. Yeah, honestly, I completely agree. All right. Um, I mean, do you, do you have any other questions that, that maybe you'd like to, to address or, uh, or are we done? Um, nah, my page, most of the questions were about like, oh, blah, blah. Who do you think will win the Premier League? Blah, blah, all that kind of stuff. You get me? Yeah. And the answer is not Liverpool. And so we can move on. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, so Dan, I just want to say thanks for, for doing this again. I know, uh, anytime, honestly. Yeah. It's, it's always a lot of fun to, to chat and, and, um, yeah, I just appreciate you, you doing this and I appreciate you running the page and, and congratulations on the success of the page. And if people want to follow it, uh, the link is in the show notes, but it's at prem worldwide, um, on Instagram and you are, are personally are on Twitter at deadly Genobo Genepo. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll say that I'll alternate all season probably, but, um, <laughs> It's always it's always a pleasure to chat with you, and, and I appreciate you coming on and doing the show, especially after we talked kind of late last week, and then things changed over the weekend, and we you know so so we do it again, and it's I, I'm okay with it if you're okay with it, and and I appreciate it. Cool, yeah, it was great to be on it. Thanks so much. All right, man. Well, you enjoy uh, your summer, and uh, you know we'll talk to you soon. Awesome, yeah, we will. does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Dan. You can find him on Instagram at Prem Worldwide. If you don't follow them already, get in touch, get up to date with all of the news and rumors that are going around all around the league. Uh, you can also follow him on Twitter at Deadly Janapo. Uh, you don't get the same coverage of the entire league, but uh, you get his thoughts on Southampton, which is, you know, I think what brings us together. So anyway, give them a follow. The links are in the show notes. That helps a lot. Um, if you want to follow this show, you can do so. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SFC D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y or at Facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. The easiest way to get links to those is to head to SouthamptonDelivery.com. Uh, there you have links to all of those things and past episodes of the podcast. Plus, you get things like the newsletter where I asked for some people to give me some stories about their dad. And Tim, uh, who has been on the show several times before, wrote in to say this. I'd like to give a shout out to my dad for the show. I talked about how he got me into being a Saints fan on my first show appearance. But to quickly recap the story, he's been watching Saints since he went to university in Southampton in 1976. He took me to my first game against Everton in 1994, which Saints won 2 nothing. We've obviously had many ups and downs the past 25 years but always look forward to getting the train down from London, walking to St. Mary's together, the scenic route alongside the River Itchen, and then after the game, our post-match analysis on the same walk back. 
So hopefully you have some stories that you can share or some thoughts that you can share, some memories that you have with your dad or some other father figure in your life. And hopefully they surround saints. If they surround Portsmouth, then I definitely don't ever want to hear about them, but that's okay. So anyway, I hope that you had a good Father's Day. If uh, you are at all involved, I am both a son and a father. Sometimes it's hard. Um, We make mistakes. It's just the way it goes. But anyway, uh, hopefully it's fond memories and all of that. So if you're enjoying the show and you would like to leave a review, that would be most helpful. Uh, You can do that wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't subscribed, you can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you listen. There are links on the show website, which once again, SouthamptonDelivery.com. If you'd like a little bit extra, you can get that by supporting the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. Uh, There are links once again in the show notes for you to get there. Uh, For a small fee, you can get access to things like a private chat, having your questions or a priority for having your questions answered on the show. Um, And some patrons, if they pay $5 or more per month, get an extra episode of the show. So really, it's just a way for uh, us to make sure the show keeps running. And it it really, really does help out. So uh, shout out to the partners of the show. The logo is done by We Are Southampton. Matt Beeling, who runs the We Are Southampton page on Instagram, uh, is so good at his job. The club now pays him to do it. Uh, So check out We Are Southampton. And thanks again to Matt for everything he's done for the show. Uh, And Jay, over at the Southampton page, be sure to check out the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for all your Southampton FC news and needs. Jay is the guy that's also doing Brave the Shave. So if you can support just a little bit, uh, the link is in the show notes. It will help those people who are living with cancer, uh, you know, help make their lives a little bit better. So anyway, that is it for this week. We will be back next week with whatever the Saints news is at the time. Uh, If you have questions, send them in. We'll get them on the show. And until then, remember that together, we march on.